0: What's going on and welcome into the Tuesday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Sowers and alongside my co-host Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com. We do have a draft preview for you as we are a little over 24 hours away from tomorrow night's NBA draft and it already feels like things are about to get crazy. So we brought in some reinforcements to help you and help us get you ready for tomorrow night. That's Christian Clark who covers the Pelicans for NOLA.com to Tides Picayune.com. And the advocate, as uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be wild. There's so many things going on right now. And Christian, um, how much how much draft stuff are you watching right now on YouTube? Are your eyes glued to the certain draft picks? What's going on, my friend?
1: What's up, fellas? Um, yeah, pretty pretty interesting week. Uh, it's it's kind of crazy that you know the draft trades and free agency have all been compressed into one week. Um, it's kind of a whirlwind. Uh, yeah, I've really dived into the draft over the past two two weeks. You know, I've I've watched a lot of like full games of guys who could be in the Pelicans range um, at 13. So I would say I have a pretty good handle on the lottery picks. Um, you know, maybe the guys like the back half of the first round, not so much like I've seen some highlights. Um, but I think it's a pretty interesting draft, even if, you know, there aren't like the can't miss talents necessarily at the top like there were last year with like Zion and John ja Morant. Like I think they're going to be, you know, some, some like quality role players that can even be had like, you know, middle of the first round and and even
0: later in the first round too. We'll get to specific things about certain players here in a little bit, but uh, I'm glad you mentioned, you know, watching games on YouTube. And I feel like a lot of people were asking, or at least I've been asking as far as how front office evaluates talent without a full college season from last year with no March madness, no conference tournament games, but it seems like the way things are working now in 2020 and with technology There are plenty of games on YouTube for, for people to watch. There was still uh, basically a regular season for college basketball. And again, there, a lot of it now is just player interviews and watching combine stuff. How much does not having a March madness last year, does it really affect how the teams are evaluating talent or is there so much more to go off of that? It really, at the end of the day, doesn't make that much of a deal.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think it definitely, you know, makes a pretty big deal. I mean, I think a lot of teams, they factor in like that March madness bump. Um, you know, at times I think that can be like detrimental, like they put so much stock in like three or four games when, you know, a prospect has like 35 games of tape. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's definitely, you know, affected things like a guy like Patrick Williams, for example. Um, you know, I think he's a guy who might be drafted higher than he would have if, if March Madness had, had just played out. You know, he's a guy who's coming off the Florida State bench, and now it looks like he could be taken in the top ten.
0: Uh, let's keep going here as far as first-round picks are concerned. And, um, and what we're seeing with teams like Oklahoma City is just stocking, you know, stacking up a, a ton of a future first-round picks here. And you're also seeing teams throw away first round picks like they don't really matter. Where's the balance? And, you know, I know certain teams are in certain situations that they're in win now mode and first round picks don't matter and salary cap situations. But where are we in 2020 about how teams value the first round pick? Because I feel like some teams will have a bunch of first round picks for future you know, years. And then there's some teams that won't have a pick for till 2025 or something. How, how do you feel like teams are evaluating first round picks these days? Yeah.
1: I mean, I think it's different for every team, you know, kind of based based on where they are at in their life cycle, if they're a young or a veteran team. And also I think it, you know, kind of depends on the market. Like if you're, if you're an executive of a big market team, like I don't think having those first is necessarily as important because, you know, you can be confident that like, well, if we're able to just get like one good player, there's a pretty good chance that other really good players will come here. I mean, I think if you're in a smaller market, like, you know, Memphis, Oklahoma city, New Orleans, then yeah, those first round picks are, are really important. I mean, you're going to have to draft and develop. I mean, that's, that's your pathway to success. Like you're not, you're probably not getting meetings with like the blue chip free agents. So like, I think they're, they're definitely more important than, you know, kind of the market that, that we're operating in.
0: Before I get to Jim here, um, when we talk about this week. And you talked about how crazy it is that, you know, in just a few days free agency will start with, with trades starting to be leaked and trades starting to happen now between now and, and tomorrow with the draft and even tomorrow inside the draft, do you feel like this draft and these trades are going to be the equivalent of this year's free agency just because how the cap is set to basically the same as last year? Do you feel like what we're seeing now is going to be somewhat of what free agency is going to be like?
1: Yeah, I mean, th- I, this week is like all one thing in in my mind. I mean, I'm not really like viewing these as as two separate things. I mean, it's just it's just so weird, man. Like, I mean, teams are basically like reshaping their entire rosters in a span of like 10 days and then, you know, we got trading camp in early December. Um, I mean, like you know, this is like what happens in these 10 days is going to have ripple effects across the league for like years to come.
2: You know, Christian along similar lines. I remember I can't remember specifically what year it was, but I remember there was concern from the league overall that it was getting to the point where trades and free agency were kind of overwhelming the draft itself in terms of the coverage and the excitement for, I mean, is it kind of unavoidable to some extent this year that that might be the case as well? It seems like as we get closer to the draft itself, that the draft is becoming is kind of being pushed further into the background as far as, like what people focus on, but I, you know, I also think that that's understandable to some degree.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's fair to say. I mean, I think, you know, part of that this year might be that there aren't like, like kind of can't miss guys at the top. Like I just said, like last year, I mean, there was so much excitement for like Zion Williams. I mean, I I think everybody knew going into that draft who the number one pick was going to be, you know, this year, like I, I would be nervous to be a team in the top three. I mean, I think there's some talented guys, but like there's a lot of question marks about all of them. And like, I could see it going a lot of different ways. Um, so I think that's, you know, part of, part of why I think we're, we're seeing what you were talking about is like, there just aren't that many can't miss dudes in this draft.
2: Sure. You mentioned earlier that you, in terms of your studying for the draft and the research that you've done, you feel like now you're at a point where you have a pretty good handle on the top 20, but you may, maybe not on like late first round, early second round guys. I think one of the things that's interesting about that, and this this year is probably not that much different from a lot of other years. Um, it's hard to have a handle on 20 through 50 on the draft board because there might be 50, 60 different guys that could fall somewhere in that range. So um, I think that's interesting, but. you also just reference, I mean, you, you say, and I feel the same way. I don't necessarily have a great handle on the late first round, but how good of a handle do we even have on how the first three picks are going to go in terms of the order of those trade possibilities, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah. I mean, as of like, you know, when we're talking Tuesday morning, it doesn't seem like anything's locked in at the top spot. Um, You know, I, I've actually kind of heard that like, you know, publicly like it seems like lamella ball is going to be the pick but like what people are saying behind closed doors is it's not as certain uh i'm not sure like how much of that is posturing but like yeah i i don't know what's going to happen at number one um number two i mean if if golden state uses that pick like i feel pretty confident that they're going to use it on, on wiseman um and then you know after that uh, i guess we'll see but It's crazy, man. It's, it's really unpredictable. I think the Pelicans are in a really good spot. Like I would want to be picking, you know, in like the six to 14 range of this draft.
2: Yeah. Um, Last thing I I wanted to ask you before I go back to Daniel, um, obviously the Pelicans right now are picking 13th. That's where they are on the board. Um, But not, not just specifically for their pick, but just in general, as you've done your research Who are some of the players that you you have liked more and more? Who are some of the sleepers that that you've taken a a liking to as the draft is approached? I know you and I both were on a bunch of Zoom calls. And for example, I was very impressed with the maturity and the readiness of a lot of these guys in the interviews. I'm sure that's something that we'll get into more after the draft, as well as other teams across the league. But um, I I was, you know, of course, there's exceptions, but I, I was very impressed by how ready some of these guys are to sit down for a job interview and and take questions from 50 different media members. So who, but who, who do you think are some of the guys that you, you're interested in as we getting closer to the draft?
1: Well, I totally agree. I mean, I was like a, a pretty close to a disaster when I was like 19 or 20 years <laughs> old. Um, so yeah, these guys yeah. are definitely like polished. Um, it's, it's really impressive. Like, I feel like, you know, like kids who are teenagers or in their early twenties in the NBA have come a long way, even in like the last 10 or 15 years. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as like specific guys at 13, who I kind of like, I mean, I think the Pelicans could do a number of different things. You know, maybe they could go guard. Um, I think a Ford who can knock down threes is, is a realistic option. And like, I could even see a couple of different scenarios while not as likely where they go big again. Um, I like, I like Aaron Neesmith a lot. The kid from Vanderbilt who like just shot the absolute crap out of the ball from three last year. Um, I like Kyra Lewis jr. From Alabama um, kind of a, like a speedster point guard. If he's still on the board at 13, Um, those would like uh, who guys, you know, who I would really be taking a hard look at. I mean, I think, you know, they both give this team like an element of something that's kind of missing right now, but I think there are a number of interesting names
0: at at 13. Christian, let's kind of look at the landscape of the Western Conference. You saw a team like the Phoenix Suns make a a huge trade yesterday with acquiring Chris Paul uh, from the Oklahoma City Thunder. And when you're trying to stack up how teams are looking heading into next season, with the West so stacked, you're you're trying to figure out, you know, teams that didn't make it that were on the fringe last year with Memphis, New Orleans, Sacramento, even look at Phoenix and now may jump up. How does the Western Conference look as of now, heading into tomorrow? It just seems like there are more and more teams. Maybe besides Minnesota, every team is fully confident that they have a shot at making the playoffs this year. How wild is the Western Conference right now? We haven't even finished the draft or free agency.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely terrifying. I mean, I've I've said for a couple of years that, like, I think the league should just go to, like, a 1-16 a through 16 format, like – Abolish, you know, like one through eight seeding in each conference because the conferences are just so imbalanced. Like it's just so hard if you're, you know, a Western Conference playoff team. But I think what the league is going to do where they have the play in tournament with the seeds who finish seventh and eighth and ninth and ten this year, I mean, that's that's like a definite win for New Orleans. Like even if they're, you know, in like tenth, eleventh, twelfth place um toward the end of the year, like they're still gonna have a they're still going to have like a shot to, you know, get one of those last two playoff spots in the Western conference. But yeah, it's absolutely terrifying. I mean, the West is insane. I'm, I'm glad there's that playoff of tournament.
0: Uh, before I let you go, Christian, I, I've noticed from your Instagram that you are getting into cooking a lot. And so since the, <laughs> the, the, ver- the draft is going to be all virtual this year, we're not going to be stuffing our faces with chicken tenders in the media room this year. Does Christian Clark have something on the menu for draft night or because it's going to be so much work for you that it might be a, a takeout kind of situation for you? <laughs>
1: uh, I might ask my wife nicely if, if she can cook that night. Um, yeah, man, I mean, I uh, I did some cooking, like, like, for, like, I was, like, a line cook when I was working in Denver, kind of part-time. So kind of got into it then, and I bought a uh, Justin Davilias cookbook when I moved down here because I was like, all right, I want to learn, like, some New Orleans and Louisiana recipes. So yeah, a lot of gumbo lately. Uh, I have some of that in like the freezer. I don't know. I might just unthaw that because uh, it's really good, but yeah, man, I'm, I've enjoyed the food down here probably more than anything. I mean, the
0: warm weather and the food uh, I am feeling it at home down here. it's definitely a great combo. I, I thought the world needed to know what Christian Clark's going to eat on track. <laughs> Hi, Jim, should I be asking you what's on the menu in the I can offer household?
2: <laughs> definitely not actually i was going to just interject and invite us to christian's home sure. it sounds like that that's actually the, probably the better plan would be to, to jump in on that
1: so we're yep coming over it. we're coming over christian just letting you know now oh okay okay all right i'll uh i'll up my portion so i'll, I'll make double of everything
0: tell your wife party of four we'll include her it'll be a <laughs> nice nice feast i know she'll talk draft with us it'll be a lot of fun sounds yeah
1: good it <laughs> <laughs> hey, sounds great guys it should be a really fun
0: night it should be i appreciate it you can follow christian clark on twitter at c clark 3000 really good stuff there uh from noel.com times big union the advocate and of course he'll be locked in tomorrow for the nba draft uh as will we no no show tomorrow i'll be on uh gus can sports hangover tomorrow from 12 to 3 answering questions and kind of breaking down the draft and then jim and i will be back on thursday for a draft recap Who knows where things are going to be by Thursday morning? But these next couple days uh, will be one hell of a time, Christian. I appreciate the time as always, my friend. Thanks, guys. All right, that'll do it for today's podcast. Enjoy the draft tomorrow, and until Thursday, for Jim and Christian. I'm Daniel. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by Citi.